Blog Talk Radio. From Brooklyn in the new Windy City, it's Blazing Rye Radio. Tonight on the show, YouTube sensation Sweet Brown. From the rock band Jackal Pierce, Terry Pierce. And electro hip hop artist Jensen Reed. Plus, an election roundup with the Place of Ride panel. And now, a man with absolutely no time for bronchitis, Ryan everyone. It is Monday, November 5th, 2012. Happy birthday, Jason Selvig and Brittany Hillman. Uh, tonight on the show, we have an exciting one. Uh, but first, we're going to start with the Blazing Rye panel. Uh, one of my panelists tonight is a sexy little firecracker with a killer singing voice. And my other panelist is Michelle Kinney. John Weeks, Michelle <laughs> Kinney, thanks for coming back to the panel. Thanks, thanks Ryan, for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, you guys. Okay, so we have one day left until the yes, presidential election. And it's almost as close as can be. Uh, Michelle, how are you feeling about your candidate? Uh, how am I feeling about my candidate? I feel great about my candidate. Um, I feel, and how are you feeling about his chances tomorrow? Um, I mean, here's the thing. It really depends on what you read, uh, you know, what media outlet you're, you know, you're looking at. I think everyone else has a – I think everyone has a different opinion. I think there's different numbers coming in. Um, I'd like to think that he's going to win tomorrow. Um but, you know, you, these things can go either way. You never know. And who who is he? Who are you endorsing, Michelle? Oh, Kennedy? sorry, Barack Obama. <laughs> All right, Barack Anyone Obama. Anyone my Facebook friend knows knows that it's not Romney. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, John Weeks, one, way to, one day to go, uh, so close. What do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Uh, well, uh, there's a lot of possibilities that could happen tomorrow. Uh, I agree with Michelle. It's really up in the air. Uh, it's a virtual tie. Uh, if you look at the Electoral College and look at the battleground states, uh, there's probably seven to ten of them that are just toss-ups and we have no idea uh, which way they're going to go. If you look at all the uh, polls and whatnot, they go either way. Again, if you, uh, you're a Republican, you look at the Republican polls. If you're a Democrat, you look at Democrat polls. Uh, but uh, it's going to come down to a couple states, probably Ohio mm-hmm. and uh, maybe Pennsylvania and then some other battleground states. But uh, I think Ohio is the key state. That's what everybody seems to agree on. So it's going to be a long night tomorrow night. Yeah. I think according to the both, uh, I think according to both parties, the only election that's happening tomorrow is in Ohio. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where um, all the money is then. Right. And how how do you feel about uh, uh, your candidate, uh, John Weeks, and, and who is your uh, pick for the president? Well, I would endorse uh, Mitt Romney, the Republican candidate. Um, I feel his chances are pretty good. Uh, if you look at the polls, they tend to be uh, trending towards Obama. They said there was like, a bit of a surge uh, during Hurricane Sandy. But uh, if you look deeper into the numbers and whatnot, um, it's still very, very much a tie. And uh, the numbers that he's polling with his rallies the last couple of days are uh, insane. They're like 30,000, 20,000, 28,000, and they're far and above uh, Obama's right now. So I feel like the chances are good. I feel like um, the positive momentum is still with the Mitt Romney camp. And uh, 
It all depends on the voter turnout tomorrow. If there's more Republicans and more independents going towards Mitt Romney, then I think you know what's going to happen. So, uh, And Michelle Kenny, when it comes to uh, the possibility of, uh, say, Mitt Romney winning the popular vote and Barack Obama winning the Electoral College, uh, do you think that would be uh, some nice payback for 2000? Um, <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I think that um, – <laughs> I, listen, I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever leaves Obama on top, I really could honestly care less. I, I think that, um, I think 2000 obviously was a mess. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. that I know that. Um, my my fear is that that's going to happen again tomorrow. I have my fear is that there's going to be a lot of um, chaos. I you know there's stuff going on already with early voting, and I think that what's going to yeah. You know, I'm hope I'm hoping that the end of tomorrow we know who who the winner is. But payback? Ah, I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of like a negative. Uh, I yeah. Try to keep the negativity out of out of this uh, this kind of stuff. But yeah, I a agree. little bit. Oh, right. Obviously, a little bit. Me would be kind of happy. Well, um, <laughs> you guys, Michelle Kinney and Jonathan Weeks, do you guys know how this whole election season has made me feel? Uh, a certain way. <laughs> you ain't never lie. <laughs> <laughs> when you just don't know what you're feeling, you can't find the right words to say. Well, that's the moment you start to realize you're feeling a certain way. You feel a certain way. I feel a certain way. I said it. This election yes. season has made me feel a certain way. Uh, we have seen one party allege they want less government interference in people's lives, yet members of that party have proposed, uh, su- supported proposed federal and state laws that would ban such personal things as same-sex marriage, uh, support the Discriminatory Defense of Marriage Act, rail against the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, donate millions of dollars to anti-gay organizations, Mitt Romney, the presidential uh, candidate for the Republican Party, even said children being born to gays is not right on paper, nor is it right in fact. Uh, he said that in 2005, and that's a hard thing to forget. Republicans have been against hate crime, hate crime protection, repeatedly threatened a woman's right to choose during this election season, and seem to demonstrate a terrifying lack of awareness when it comes to the violent act of rape and its traumatic consequences. Women's rights, gay rights, human rights, civil rights can no longer be negotiable, nor should they ever have been in the first place. Republicans must stop complaining that President Obama hasn't delivered on his promise of hope and change. To them, I say, yes, he has, and I hope you change. Obama is not a magician. One term as president isn't nearly enough to undo the colossal damage Governor George W. Bush did to our country. Yes, Governor, not President, Governor Bush. So I'm voting for the guy who ended the war in Iraq, repealed Don't Ask, Don't Tell, came out in support of gay marriage, passed the Affordable Health Care Bill, decimated Al-Qaeda, and put a bullet through the head of the monster who killed thousands of our fellow Americans, a task neither George W. Bush nor Mitt Romney were up for, a mission John McCain would not have ordered. We also need a leader who understands climate change. Mitt Romney said in his convention speech disparagingly that President Obama promised to slow the rise of the oceans and to heal the planet while... Romney's promise was to help us and our families. Listen, Willard, 
One need only look at the tragic disaster the Northeast faced last week to know that these oceans do need to be slowed, and our planet does need some serious help. You could also talk to, oh, I don't know, about 100% of scientists to verify climate change is a real problem. Two, my young voters in colleges across the country, tomorrow you will be deterred, you will be derailed, people will confuse you, send you all over the place looking for your polling place, implement bogus voter ID laws that may or may not be in effect, allege that your utility bill does not serve as your voter ID, which it does, and do everything in their power to get you not to vote. Fam, do not let that happen. Vote. No matter who you're voting for, vote. Protect your rights and vote by any means necessary. So I hope you join me in reelecting President Obama and help me send Mitt Romney back to the planet co-op where he can be president for all there. Unless these Mormon aliens are gays or women or they behave like 47% of us here. Uh, Michelle Kinney, John yes. Weeks, thank you guys so much for doing it. I love you both. Ryan, always, a pleasure. Ryan. always you, a pleasure. Thank you, All right, thank take you. care, Kelsey guys. Brown. Tell Sweet Brown I said hello. Oh, I sure will. All right. All right, take care, Ryan. Talk to you Bye later. Right, take care. Bye. Thank you. Good night. All right. My first guest gained international notoriety for being hilarious after an apartment fire. Sweet Brown, is that you? Hello? Sweet Brown, are you there? Uh, It's actually Jensen Reed, not Sweet Brown. Oh, Jensen, how are are you, sir? I'm feeling well, man. I'm, I'm... should I be? This is this is the time to to talk, right? Oh, actually, it's it's not. Um, <laughs> uh, we actually rescheduled you for. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, I'm sorry, you didn't hear this. It was for nine um, nine ten. Can you call back then, or no good? Yeah, yeah, I can. I thought we did, and then I got a confirmation email today for eight ten uh, Eastern time. So that's why I was calling in. But I'm, you know, my bad. I will. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a call back in an hour. All gravy. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Bye. Take care. All right. Let's try this again. Uh, my first guest gained international notoriety for being hilarious after an apartment fire. Please welcome to the program. I am so excited for this. Sweet Brown. <laughs> Sweet Brown, I am so excited. How are you? I am so fine. How you doing? I'm doing well. Has your bronchitis cleared up? Oh, yes. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask Sweet Brown. It's the big elephant in the room, and we were just talking about it the last 10 minutes. Do you know who you're voting for tomorrow? Do I know who I'm voting for? Yes. Oh, yeah. I know who I'm voting for. (laughs) Are you ready to share it with the world? Huh? Who are you voting for? Or is that too personal? Who am I? I can't understand you. Can, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> who, which, who are you voting for for president tomorrow? Oh, my man Barack Obama. Okay, good. Me too. Um, now, <laughs> let's talk about this. You posted a picture of yourself watching one of the debates with one half of your split screen covered. Explain that. Wow, I don't, I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, so let's talk Dad about what. 
<laughs> let's talk about your your experience um, with this the the fire and the has this has that whole experience made you hesitant to get up and get cold pops? Not well, now, not really. Not really. Apple <laughs> G bringing me pop now, so I ain't got to go to the machine. So. Do you never have to pay for a pop for the rest of your life? I don't think so. I, everybody be like, you want a pop? Yeah, bring me a pop back. So I guess I'm going for the rest of my life. <laughs> Given this country's obesity problem, though, do you think maybe it would be better if you were uh, supporting uh, maybe water in the middle of the night as opposed to soda? You know, I should. You should drink more water than soda. Because, you know, water mm-hmm. does have, I mean, soda does have a lot of, you know, Calories and stuff up in it, so yeah, I think water be best. But I'm not a cold pop now. <laughs> what is your favorite kind of pop? Ooh, that's 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 weird. What is my favorite pop? Sprite. I love me some Sprite. <laughs> Would you ever try a warm pop? Warm pop. <laughs> I ain't never tried no warm pop. Never? You never tried a warm pop, would you? I probably have really thirsty, but I like them cold. <laughs> um, and have you thanked the cold pop company that uh, you love um, and your love of cold pops? Have you thanked them because they allowed you to realize that your apartment was on fire and saved your life? No, I haven't. <laughs> That's a good idea, but I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, let's, I'm going to throw out a, a thank you to uh, the, the Coca-Cola organization. I believe Sprite is a is a Coke product, I think. Oh, really? Um, wow, right. So you learn something new every day. Now, how yeah. often, Sweet Brown, do you barbecue at 3.30 in the morning? Do you ever no, do that? I thought, no, I thought somebody was barbecuing because it was the day before Easter. So I'm like, it was 3.30 in the morning. I thought they had a lot of meat or something because it was a smoke out there. It wasn't a big old pig grill. And I was like, oh, somebody barbecuing out there. And then my uh, brother was like, I ain't no barbecue. That's a fire. I said, fire? Oh, Lord, gee, that's when I ran. I ran for my life. Ran right past the pop machine. Forgot my 75 cents. And I forgot my daddy, too. You forgot your daddy. So what, what did you do when you realized you forgot your daddy? I ran back in there and got him. <laughs> um, and and when I read that when you came out with your daddy, uh, you came out with with an urn. Is that right? Yeah, my daddy's in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say he's trapped in the closet? He he wasn't trapped. He was just sitting there comfortable. <laughs> uh, you sitting there comfortable? Okay. So we, he come out and breathe sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he needs he, your daddy needs the air sometimes. So you, uh, the fire started, as I understand it. Can you tell me? I, I somebody told me that the fire started, and the, actually the way that it started was pretty funny in itself. Can you tell me how it was started? With this lady, she was frying some chicken, and she had a uh-huh. hover run. I guess she didn't charge it up. She couldn't make it to the stove. It was like a grease fire. And it just caught on fire when she cooked, trying to get her chicken. So she made it. Uh, picked her tennis around here, helped her out. I said, Lord, that woman don't need to fry no more chicken. Let she charge her thing. <laughs> mm, Are you emotionally funny. scarred from that now? Do you never want to fry chicken again? Well, I, I had a thing about chicken when I first, when that woman did that. But now, oof, I love me some chicken. 
but I make sure I watch it. <laughs> so she was, correct me if I'm wrong, but she was naked, right? She's a midget. No, <laughs> no, naked, no, nude, naked. in a birthday suit. Oh, yeah, she was in a birthday suit, Lord. Scared them people, too. They had to run to get a blanket and throw it on that lady. <laughs> oh, wow. So this naked, and, and she's uh, a rather large woman, right? So this rather naked, large woman was cooking fried chicken, and she couldn't get her hover round to the stove, and that's why the fire started. That's right. You hit it right on the nose. <laughs> okay, and then tell me how the interview came about, the interview that you um, gained international fame for. So you, you went back, and when you went back to get your daddy and you came out with the urn, what was the uh, the news station's reaction? Well, the news people didn't see me. They didn't see me till later when it got daylight. That's when I mm-hmm. talked to the news people, and I didn't have daddy with me then. It, I took daddy back in the house when they told me we can go back in the house. But the news people didn't see me and see daddy. So oh, okay. me and daddy was like, I put daddy back in the house. And then that's when I seen the news crew out there. Out there. And what did your, did your son say something to you before you got interviewed? Yeah, he said, Mom, don't say nothing crazy. I said, boy, I got this. He said, Mom, don't say nothing. I got this. <laughs> Look what I did. <laughs> hey, and you did. Have you been surprised by the uh, the reaction? I mean, it's weird because everywhere I go, it's Sweet Brown. He was a celebrity or something. He was like, yeah, we just love you, Sweet Brown. We listen to you every morning. You are a motivator. Oh, really? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Actually, let me tell you, Sweet Brown, that I had a moment when I was in uh, – I, I took my friend on his bachelor party. We were all in Atlantic City for his bachelor party, my friend Jesus – uh, who got married uh, shortly after that. And we were sitting mm-hmm. at this restaurant for breakfast in the casino that we were staying at. And the service, it took like maybe like 40 minutes for any service to come back around. And and so I said to this woman, this waitress, do you know when our food is coming out? And she goes, I don't know, like another 20, 30 minutes. And then I looked at her and I looked at my friends and I said, nobody got time for that. And like nobody. my friends just start crashing <laughs> up. And then she looked at me like she gave me the dirtiest look, and she walked away, and then I went, waiter! And I just screamed for the waiter because I didn't see him in a minute. And then the waiter came out and, like, apologized and stuff. Anyway, we got the hell up out of there because I knew they were about to spit in my food. (laughs) Good choice. (laughs) But I thank you for that because you gave me a a good story there because I just quoted you. Now, why, Sweet Brown, did you tell Jesus you weren't going to wear your shoes? No, I just ran without my shoes. I didn't tell Jesus. Jesus probably already knew I wasn't gonna. I ran without my shoes. No. So Jesus had already predetermined no shoes while you're running from the fire. I guess so. I just hey, stop, drop, roll, <laughs> run without the shoes. <laughs> and um, how? Okay, so I hear that you are not the only character in your family. Tell me about what happened recently with the confiscation of one of your relatives' vehicles. Vehicles? Was, I believe it was talking, a bicycle. Oh, you talking about my brother? Yeah, what happened there? Oh, no, he was riding around in the parking lot where him and my mom stays. They stay in Stone Mountain. And uh, 
it was a police uh, park right there. I guess you, you know, just parked right there having a lunch or whatever. And he kept riding by the police car, getting on the nerves, singing a Barry White song. So she told him if he uh, sang that song again, she going to write him a ticket. So she wrote him a ticket for singing too loud. It was $300. said, Lord, I know you get tickets like that. Then my other brother, he got his bike impounded. I said, what you got to do, break your title registration for your bike? <laughs> Wait a minute. So <laughs> one of your brothers got written up for singing Barry White, and the other one uh, got his bike impounded. Got his bike impounded. Yeah, so did. <laughs> oh man, I didn't know you could. I didn't know you could get a ticket for singing Barry White. Do you think that maybe that police officer just wanted a different artist? I don't know. She probably wanted Barry to sing. <laughs> so what happened when she was having a lunch or whatever she was doing? So is this the one who got the ticket for singing? Is that your brother James? No, that's my brother uh, Nicole. Now my okay. brother Shane is the one that got his uh bike impounded. <laughs> <laughs> and and when you say bike, it's bicycle, right? Not motorcycle, right? No, not motorcycle, bicycle. That's amazing. And then who's your brother that sings wherever, if you're at weddings, funerals, wherever you are, he's always singing. Who's that? My brother. Is it your brother or your cousin? Maybe it's your cousin. Oh, it's my cousin's boyfriend, James Jr. Yeah, he think he'll roll the stone or something. I don't know. That man sure be harmonizing it. (laughs) Is he good? Does his voice sound good? Well, uh, he think he good, but don't tell him he ain't good. Show her his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, Sweet Brown, how has being famous uh, changed your life? Are you now friends with Paris Hilton? Paris Hilton? Mm-hmm. No, I ain't seen I ain't ran into Paris yet. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't ran so into <laughs> Has your life changed uh, in, in any... Uh, Noticeable way after the video took off? Yes, you know, my, it really has changed my life, you know. After the fire, me, you know, talking to KFR, Channel 4, you know. I, I'm going to Bravo, talking with Andy, and, you know, I have T-shirts that's uh, coming out in a couple of days. You know, I have a website, uh, Twitter, <laughs> Team Sweet Brown, uh, Instagram, The Real Sweet Brown. And, you know, I'm having a reality show. It's looking for network, so it's going to be nice when it comes out. And then uh, you can see parts of my uh, reality show. You can go to Sweet Brown TV at Jesus, and you can subscribe to see it. Other than that, everything's been well, you know, going to New York, visiting Andy really? on the Bravo. Yes. What, what part of New York? Uh, New York City. <laughs> oh, okay. I live in New York City. Oh, you do? Good. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can run into you. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said maybe we, I can run run into you. Oh, definitely. So this this reality show um, is it going to be about uh, uh, you and your family? What's the reality show about? It's basically going to be about my life and everything that you know happened, where I've been, and you know where I'm going. You know, basically stuff like that. My life had. Then and now, what's going on with me? So basically, it's gonna be nice. Just, just 
Wait, I mean, that's incredible mm-hmm. for this to come yeah. out of a, a 42-second. I look at the uh, effect that you have for just those. I, I think that those 42 seconds on that YouTube clip is, is one of the most genuine things and delightful things I've ever seen. And so it, <laughs> isn't it, it's amazing that your personality has transcended to now, you, now you're going to have your own TV show. That's incredible. Yes, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Me, a TV <laughs> show? All right. <laughs> Let's do it. And you also did uh, Tosh.0 recently. Uh, tell me yes, about that. That must have been exciting. Oh, man, it was fun. It was fun working with Daniel. He is, he's hilarious. He really is. And I had really fun on that set doing a web redemption, you know, for like fire safety and stuff. It was, it was cool. I liked it. And- now, be honest here. How well endowed were the naked firefighters running around, Tosh? Well, actually, they wasn't naked. It was like they had on Speedos the same color as their skin. <laughs> okay, so they weren't actually. <laughs> you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. No. Well, no Peter Pauls running around there. <laughs> <laughs> were you worried about that happening? No, I just look like it. This is normal, you know. <laughs> so what is the what do you think is the number one thing that people can do to decrease their chances of starting a fire? I wish they wouldn't start a fire. Fires are bad. But you know the <laughs> very bad. Fire's bad, yeah. Go uh-huh. out there go out there and try to start a fire just to be on YouTube or something. You know, fires are bad. Now, does this woman who started this fire uh, in your apartment, does she know that you've been spreading around these these stories about her? Do you guys still get along? She don't live over here no more. <laughs> so I don't know if she knew it was. She ain't been back. Uh-huh. Oh, she don't take it in offense. I'm just telling her, like, you know, hey, I'm going to tell it. It wasn't but naked. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't never lie. And do you do you think that um uh your your YouTube uh for by the Gregory brothers of Ain't Nobody Got Time for That is very catchy. Do you think that it could potentially be as big as Gangnam Style? No, I don't know. You know the you know I, I've seen all the videos, majority of them that's on uh, on the YouTube. You know they reacting me or whatever. But, you know, I never look at the names of who did that or do it. It's a lot of weird ones, cartoons and stuff, you know. I just go look at it. My son, he really looks at it, so I don't really pay no attention to it. I've been oh, too busy okay. anyway to try to look at that. Well, it is. Uh, I mean, that one in particular, the auto-tune one, is very catchy. I put it on my uh, iPod as an MP3. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, dance, I, I run to that at the gym. All right, all right, motivator. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, um, okay, so we just had Hurricane Sandy in New York. Do you think that the name was misleading because we were hit by water and wind and not sand? <laughs> no, no. But, you know, I hope everybody be able to, you know, rebuild their lives, you know, start back over and, you know, Sweet Brown been praying for the families and everybody in the city of New, you know, the state of New York City, New Jersey. You know, my prayers go out to all of them and family of that state. You know, it's sad. Well, we really appreciate that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate that in this area. I know there's a lot of uh, people who, who got a real rough. Um, I was one of the lucky yeah. ones, never lost power yeah, or anything. I but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Got so. It. 
I are victim. Does the title of this show, Blaze and Rye, scare you at all? No, it was kind of cool. I was like, Blaze and Rye? I never heard of that, but it's different. I mean, it's a catchy title. <laughs> well, one day I'll tell you the story of how we got, of how we got the title because it came up accidentally. Um, now, I I need to ask you this since this is all the all the rage today. Are you a fan of the Twilight films? Yes, yes I am. Are, are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? Team Edward. So, do you prefer vampires to werewolves? Yeah, because all the vampires <laughs> got to do is bite them. They don't That's true. You make a valid point. Um, Sweet Brown, <laughs> we are going to play a little game called Do You Got Time for That? where I'll shout out something random as hell, and you tell me if you do or don't got time for whatever the heck it is. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Football on a Sunday. Ain't nobody got time for this. <laughs> Justin Bieber. I got time for this. <laughs> <laughs> Mustaches. Ain't nobody got time for this. Mac and cheese. I got time for this. <laughs> Big old forest fires. Ain't nobody got time for this. How about shoes and no socks? I got time for this. <laughs> Gonorrhea or the clap? Ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> uh, jam on toast. <laughs> what about jam on toast? Jam on toast? Yeah, I got time mm-hmm. for that. Uh, hickory bacon. I got time for that. The popo. Popo. Ain't nobody got time for that. Especially when they're racking up your brother $300 for singing Barry Wayne. Oh, no, the popos. Ain't nobody got time. <laughs> How about Saturday morning cartoons? I got time for this. <laughs> What's your favorite one? Do you have one? Dora. Dora. Dora? You know, I saw a woman carrying a Dora, uh, like, balloon, like a life-size one. I thought she was dangling her child by its head. <laughs> <laughs> How about Jello? Yeah, I got time for Jello. How about Mittens Romney? Who? Mitt Romney. Mitt. Ain't nobody got time for that. Mister Sexy himself, Barack Obama. Did I? Did, what did you say? Mister Sexy himself, President Barack Obama. Who's the sexiest? <laughs> Mr. Sexy. Mr. Sexy Mr. Barack Obama. Mr. Sexy Barack Obama, yes. You got time for it. Did I get high for him? What, you <laughs> what about Flappity Jacks? Flappity I ain't got time for that. <laughs> Cartwheels. I ain't got time for that neither. <laughs> Ghosts and Goblins. I ain't got time for that. And what about getting nasty on the dance floor? Uh, keep that secret. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me Sweet Brown likes to get down. Yes, now nah. Sweet Brown getting a little broke <laughs> down. She can't get down like she used to. Now you said that you tweeted, uh, "I'm I'm on my way as soon as I finish these greens, Jesus. Save me some room at that escalator and have me cold pop." 
and you uh, Instagram the picture uh, of 24-hour fitness. Um, <laughs> do you, every time you cook greens, do you go to the gym afterwards? No. So don't. I try to do a little <laughs> workout. But not every time I eat greens. <laughs> I try to work out. <laughs> and then I also, oh, wait a second. You actually tweeted. I didn't even realize this. this Sweet Brown gets down, baby. The smoke ain't going to get me before I eat this. All I need is a cold pot. Jesus. Are you worried now when you cook that the smoke will get you and you get bronchitis again? No, no, because I always keep some hand. I got a survival kit. I got my purse with my snicker and my cold pot. So I'm, I'm well kept. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Sweet Brown, I can't tell you what a delight this is. Will you come back and do our Hot Topics panel someday? I sure will. Sweet Brown will. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything you want to say to your adoring fans before we go? Sweet Brown, love y'all, and thanks for being my fans and my supporters, and I hope everyone, you know, rebuilds our lives and rebuild the city and come as one. Sweet brown love you. Until the next time, babe. <laughs> all right. I thought you were going to end it with Seacrest out after all that. It sounded like that would be a joke. Um, so, sweet, sweet brown, just from the bottom of my heart, personally, uh, I cannot tell you how much joy you have brought me for the last uh, several months. Um, and, I, you know, at my, uh, my office, my coworkers and I always scream, ain't nobody got time for that to each other and stuff. <laughs> And it's just, it's, it's a great phrase, and it's been a delight, and I really appreciate those 42 incredibly genuine seconds because they really have made my life better, and isn't that what it's all about? That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, Sweet Brown. You have a great night, and uh, go Barack the vote tomorrow. I sure will. I'll be there for the doors open. <laughs> all right. Take care. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Good night. All right, that was Sweet Brown calling from Oklahoma. Oh, my God, that was a, such a delight. As I said, I have been watching her for months. Um, we are going to have Jacko Pierce here in just a minute. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I am going to play one of their uh, new songs, and it is called Finally Free, and we'll be right back with Terry Pierce from Jacko Pierce. Big thanks to Sweet Brown, Michelle Kinney, and Jonathan Weeks. Till I fell low I didn't know stop Only a new goal My young life was out of control Yeah, you know Yeah, you know Didn't know pretty Till I saw you Didn't know love Till I lost you Back on track where to be true I didn't know love till I lost you I've written up love is something I lost and she came along just like a song that's what's come when you ain't even thinking about them they open your eyes and open your heart a fresh piece of life a new morning star
I'm really sorry. We have the one of the managers is cooking today, and we have a bunch of people who called out and blah blah blah. And keep in mind, this was the bachelor party that I went bird watching on, bird watching, and I don't mean that metaphorically. A lot of people, when I say that I went bird watching on a bachelor party, they think that we went to like the beach and scoped out some biddies. Nope, ain't nobody got time for that. We, because of Jesus's profound love and proclivity and affinity for the bird culture. The, the, like, flap your wings, birds, and I'm not talking about get the eagle on, girl, like Nelly said. I'm talking about bird, birds. We went to the park. We went to this park in, uh, like, a forestry center or something right outside Atlantic City, and he had his binoculars going, looking at birds, and he could uh, identify who the birds were just by looking for, like, a split second, which reminded me of my old chemistry teacher, Steve Broker, uh, at Cross High School, in New Haven, what he would do is, keep in mind, he was a chemistry teacher, but he also taught uh, physiology and anatomy and biology and, what do you call it with the rocks, genealogy, didn't matter. No matter what, it was the same curriculum for every class, no matter what the subject mattered. So at this, uh, I remember one time he was writing on the board this, like, advanced chemistry formula, uh, AB plus CD equals AC plus B, and then he looks out the window, no binoculars and nothing, Jesus, and he says, Peregrine Falcon, and he made us all go out to the park that was down the street to uh, Edgerton, no, 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 East Rock Park, and uh, look at birds, and that's what we did in chemistry class, so big shout out to Broke Doggy Doug. Um, boy, that, that was hilarious. So we're back to the bachelor party. We are at this bachelor party in... Um, I don't know what where it was, but it was some nature center right outside Atlantic City. <laughs> and what happened was, was we go out there, and he's looking at the birds, and John Weeks is very, um, how do you call it? He's very uh, uh, enthusiastic about going out and watching birds. So what we do is uh, we walk down this path. The thing is, though, that the path is like eight miles long, and John Weeks is adamant about continuing down the path because he continues on his bad ideas. What he does is that might explain the reason for him being a Republican for so long, although I think he doesn't identify as moderate for so long. He gets a bad idea, and he sticks to it, Lord Jesus. So he keeps walking and walking, and Ken and Jesus and John Weeks, they're all having a great time. I start getting the hugest allergy attack. I couldn't breathe. My eyes were so itchy. So what I did was, um, after a while, and I tried to stick it out. I really did try. But then I just said, I can't. So I turned around and went back to the nature center, like the indoor area. And Jesus was like, me might be a while. And I said, it's all right, because I knew it was worth it. So I go back, all the way back to the nature center, and I try to, like, calm down from my allergy attack. However, this lady in the nature center is like, oh, well, maybe I can show you a video about birds. And so she puts in this DVD about a certain kind of bird, and that made me feel a certain kind of way. And then so I'm just trying not to sneeze in there. And then she, she once that film was up, she puts in another thing about birds. Uh, and I just couldn't get away from birds wherever I went, whatever I did. <laughs> and, uh, Jesus, I love you, but ain't nobody got time for that. All right. Um, I believe we have our next guest online. Um, my next guest is one half of a rock band called Jacko Pierce. Please welcome to the program, Carrie Pierce. Woo-hoo! 
I was just I'm bummed out. I wanted to keep hearing about the birds and the allergies, dude. I was I was transfixed. <laughs> it was not fun, man. Let me tell you. I and have you ever gone to a bachelor party where the groom insists on going bird watching? Oh, dude, that sounds awesome. What what kind of friend is that? He's a friend who went to Yale, so that should explain it. There you go. Yeah, I only have a brother-in-law that went to Brown, so I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know about them Ivy League types <laughs> too much. So, uh, Carrie, you have been with your band partner, Jack, for around 20 years. You've described your relationship like a marriage. Who wears the pants in the relationship? <laughs> You're talking to him, Ryan. You're talking to him. <laughs> and I saw that Jack gets accused of writing all the dark stuff. Is he a moody kind of wife? Uh, yeah, moody. <laughs> yeah, he is a moody wife. Uh, yeah, he he never calls. I never hear from him. I feel like you know, like sometimes like I'm his mother, trying to get a hold of him. Never calls. <laughs> um, I actually need to pause for one second um, because I just got an email from Sweet Brown's manager, and I have a little request. One of the first questions that I asked about was a picture of a TV screen uh, where the, the screen was split during a debate, and she didn't know what I was talking about because it was not her. Uh, that was from a fake Facebook page. There is a lady named Deanna that is selling T-shirts and pretending to be Sweet Brown on Sweet Brown T-spread shirts. Sweet Brown's official site is teamsweetbrown.com uh, to order T-shirts and to book her. Her Facebook is Team Sweet Brown. Her Twitter, Team Sweet Brown, and Instagram is Real Sweet Brown. So just wanted to clear that up and make sure that the actual Sweet Brown is, is getting the attention. Imagine if, if there was a uh, – have there been other Carrie Pierce's pretending to be you? Uh, you know what? Yeah, somebody got to my Facebook first. I have to be like Carrie Pierce music instead of just Carrie Pierce. I kind of – you know, I, I reached out, wanted to be friends with the other Carrie Pierce, but he wanted nothing to do with me. So I hope all my people will come to Carrie Pierce music, Facebook, you know, whatever. Facebook, yeah, you got it. Maybe we can Not get the that Deanna lady. Maybe we could get yeah, the Deanna lady to start pretending to be you too. Yeah, we need to get Deanna, Sweet Brown, Jacko Pierce, the other Carrie Pierce, and we all should go like on, on an aviary trip. Um, and <laughs> well, birds of bird watching. Bird. Yeah, well, I can't get enough. Um, can't get enough. Now, uh, you're. I read your bio. And uh, your music uh, and with your band, Jacko Pierce, is described as having creative vigor, being euphoric, charmingly elegant, with a crisp production aesthetic, emotionally accessible, warmly playful, vulnerably sincere, with smoky atmospherics, urgent poise, lushly rustic, beautiful, soaring, transcendentally romantic, goosebump-inducing, with tender emotionality, pensive, endearingly humorous, heartfelt, Mellencamp-esque. How pretentious did you want the bio to sound? Wow, golly, to stack them all together like that. It sounds like we're Yanni meets, uh, you know, some good TV show. Wow, that's heavy. <laughs> wow, atmospheric and, yeah, some of those, those are, those are wow, that's amazing. No, we we don't sound anything like that. We're just like, uh, when we play live, we, uh, we're we just two acoustic guitars. So we're, we're singer-songwriter-based rock. We kind of grew up listening to Mellencamp and Petty and Dylan and uh, Neil Young and, but there's also like a an 80s big side. Like I'm a huge Tears for Fears and um, The Fix and um, Roxy Music and The Smiths kind of fan. So there's just kind of there's a big there's a melancholy side to it as well. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, at the core we're just like singer songwriters. But then 
in the studio, I kind of get out of hand and I just keep making things bigger. So this record's probably the biggest record we've made with some, you know, nod to the big 80s, like the good big 80s, you know, like Shout from Tears for Fears. I'm always trying to, like, get that big, which is impossible, mm-hmm. but... So you not know. like the hair band 80s, but the... the oh, no, the exactly right. I completely, and I know I just, I, I cut off half your listeners when I say this, but... You know, my friends had Scorpion posters and Iron Maiden posters on their wall, and they wore jean jackets with the sleeves cut off. And, you know, I had my hair, like, Flocka Seagull style, and I'd go to, you know, I'd go to dance clubs and listen to New Order. So I completely somehow came out of the age, except I was a huge Van Halen fan. So, you know, you, I, you put me in that camp. Like, I'm big, like, rocks. I love rock, but I kind of miss the hairband thing altogether. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you still friends? Uh, lucky. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, tell me about the night that you guys, you and, and your partner, uh, made up a song on the spot in order to make your set longer. Oh, yeah, we, we did that a lot because we were just playing for a buck on a Tuesday night at Mimi's Pub in Dallas, which is no longer exists. It's now like an ace cash checking place in an office max. But it was there with this tiny shotgun, um, you know, really, really small, long, narrow bar, and we'd play in the corner. And, um, play for hours and there'd just be times when nobody even was listening or cared. So we would just start making stuff up. And many of our songs, the Genesis was, you know, just playing them in front of people live and just making lyrics up on the spot and, you know, just trying stuff out. And, but it wasn't like in a, in a, in a jam band sort of way or, or was it? No, we're not good enough to be a jam band. I couldn't, you know, we, 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 we tried a noodle here and there, but we couldn't, you know, we're, not, we're like, the funny thing, you know, people always be like, you should play more covers back in the day. And we're like, we realized we were pretty bad at trying to figure out people's songs. So we thought it'd be easier to write our own songs. And that's, I hear that's kind of a common thread through a lot of bands. <laughs> They're just like, I was never really good at figuring out songs. It was easier just to write them. So um, that's kind of how I felt. The, the one that I read about um, when you guys uh, made up a song on the spot was called uh, Three of Us on a Boat. Is it true that this, was the catalyst for the Sandberg tender-ass classic, I'm on a Boat? <laughs> I wish. I wish. It's, uh, that song was written when I was 19 years old, and I, I grew up in Connecticut, and I had... So did I. Uh, Whereabouts? In Westport, Connecticut. Ah, I am from New Haven. Dude, there you go. Holla. New Haven will be next. Next stop will be New Haven. All doors will open in New Haven. New Haven next. <laughs> Metro North. There we go. Exactly. Um, I do that all the time when we play New York and nobody laughs anymore. You know, I'm like, all doors are open in Stanford, and I don't get a chuckle, but um, thank you for the chuckle. Um, <laughs> yeah, nah, nobody there, gets Yeah, <laughs> nobody feels it. I got a, I got a, um, I met this girl and I thought, oh, she's, she's beautiful. I, I, I would see her every once in a while because she was in the neighboring town of Weston, and we'd have some, you know, co-school events, and I'd see her and I was like, oh, she's so cool. And then I went up to SMU in Dallas. You know, that's where Jack and I met. We were theater majors at SMU. And, you know, I thought I'd never see this girl again, never thought about her again. And then first day of freshman orientation, who walks in the door but her? So she and I both came from Connecticut to go to SMU in Dallas, which is pretty strange. And um, that's crazy. I thought, this is it. That we're supposed to be together. So we started kind of dating. And then she'd forgotten to include one little tidbit of information that she had a boyfriend. So um, it was pretty oh. awesome. Doesn't look like this oh. boat's gonna float. 
it's the worst. But it's a it's a fun silly song. I, I get to throw in a, a, a literary allusion to Farley Mowat, an Alaskan author who wrote a book called The Boat Who Wouldn't Float. I mean, how how often can you rhyme Mowat with Float? It, you know what I mean? Like boat who wouldn't float. So <laughs> I like that. That's one of those rhymes without rhyme and rap without trying. Yep. So yeah. you. Carrie, um, you're quoted as saying at a point you both, you and Jack, began to hate the band and hate each other. Why do you think that transpired, and how do you think you got over it eventually? It was just really a lack of gratitude, to be honest with you. It, it became a grind, and it was our job, and I think we truly lost sight of the fact that we were living a dream that we'd always dreamed of, so it's like touring in a rock band on a major label, touring the world, you know, in a tour bus with a crew and a band, and people taking care of us and taking care of our stuff with a real tour, tour manager and, you know, all the things you, you dream about, things you, do, you don't even know to dream about, like until you get there, you know, all these things that we just, uh, huge dreams we get to live in. And it just became a grind for us. We totally stopped being grateful. And it was just like, okay, where's the next show? And who's going to get me this? And who's going to get me that? And uh, I think we just totally lost sight of the fact that, wow, we're like two schmoes that get to play music for a living. And, uh, people love it. You know, they come in from all over to hear our music and pay money. And we totally lost sight of that and um, kind of lost sight of And we we we'd taken on a band over time, and, and the band, everyone, just, you know, kind of veered into Jack's world, and I kind of veered in my own world by myself, and we just started splitting apart. And um, we took a three-month hiatus one summer, and um, that was it. That's when Jack just said, you know what, I'm done. I'm gonna, I want to move to New York. I want to become an actor. And I'm just done with Jack Pierce. I just need it to be done. I can't, you know. And so we, luckily, our management talked us into a farewell tour, and we did it was the biggest tour we'd ever done. And we did a like a double disc of, of you know called Decade of a kind of best of material at that time. And we went on the road and was able to you know sustain us for a year or two afterwards. Because I mean, the joke was you know that the body had come to a complete. I mean, the car had come to a complete stop, but the body was still traveling at 60 miles an hour through the windshield because we were still spending like rock stars and trying to live our lives like without, you know, without being out there working. So that was a big yeah. wake up call to figure all that out. Gotcha. I'm realizing something. Uh, we, we are both from Connecticut. Uh, we both majored in theater in college. Um, do you think that I, if I went to Southern Methodist university that maybe you and I could have been destined to be together, it, not you and that girl? Yes. Yes. All the above. You probably would have hooked up with that girl. Yeah, yeah, because apparently she was just hooking up with everyone. There you go. See, where were you in theater school? <laughs> um, so this album, any, Everywhere All the Time, is that title based on, on the Eagles' uh, Life in the Fast Lane? Uh, surely makes you lose your mind. Um, <laughs> uh, no, where, 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 Everywhere All the Time, is that in that, is that, in that, in that song somewhere? Uh, yeah, everywhere, all the time. Fly fan the fast lane. You're kidding no. me. You're kidding yeah. me. I thought you made so it on. cool. I want to tell you, I'm subliminal. I'm a huge Eagles fan. You know, that's funny because every time my manager would call me, um, you know, for a long, longest time, go, hey, man, what's up? And I'd be like, man, everything all the time. You know, just like there's always something going on. I've got three kids and, and you know, there's just a lot going on in my life and I'm married and just stuff, and so that was always kind of our joke, like everything all the time, and uh, and then all of a sudden it became like, wow, the record was, we were doing the record everywhere all the time, and we recorded it all over the place. I mean, 
nothing was recorded literally coast to coast and a mm-hmm. uh, bunch in between. So, um, dude, I, I'm, I'm really fired up now that I can start perpetuating the rumor that somehow me and Henley are connected and that that's, because he lives in Dallas. I've never met the guy, but um, I'll start perpetuating some rumors. I appreciate it. We can start well, you know that Don Henley is a, is a big fan of this show, which is no a way. total lie. Yeah, total lie. God, you never, never heard it. So um, let's, Terry, talk about uh, how this is the most emotionally accessible album of your career. Explain. Um, that's hilarious. Gosh, thank you for, for drawing all these quotes from our, our bio and our press. You're being it. Uh, emotionally accessible. That's like... That's the kind of stuff you hear in the shrinks office when your when your wife's like, he's just not emotionally accessible anymore. I can't accept his emotions. Um, yeah, I think that's funny. I don't emotionally accessible. That's interesting because I I don't even I'm not an emotional guy. I, I guess I am because I'm I'm an artist. I'm making stuff up and and emoting on uh onto the CDs. But uh, that's interesting, man. I I I haven't really thought about that. Um. I guess I don't know, man. I'm trying to think of the songs from the record. I'm going, man. I think it's accessible in the sense that I think right off the bat, it just sounds. Um, I hope, and that's my hope as a producer. Like I, I got to produce the record, and I hope as a producer, anytime I produce somebody, I'm like, look, this is going to be a doorstop for you. Whether it keeps the door open very long, or whether they like your voice, or they like your songs, I can't, I can't predict that. But I will tell you that it will keep the door open. Like people will hear this record and go, okay. This is real because, I mean, you and I both know you just, every time you get a CD from somebody, it's terrible. Most, you know, 99% of the time, it's awful. So I'm like, uh-huh. hey, this will be a doorstop. I mean, it'll keep the door open to whether that's an agent or a major label or a club or just a tastemaker, a friend. You know, it's, people are going to go, whoa, this is real. You're not just kidding around. So I hope that the record, you know, just connects with people because a lot of these, you know, like, for example, the first song, Intimate, you know, it's just kind of a fun look at the fact that a lot of guys out there are married or dating way up, you know, they're just, they're out of their league, you know, they don't deserve it. And so that's mm-hmm. what that song's all about. You know, it's like, hey, man, she's out of my league. I'm, I'm out. I don't, I don't, I don't deserve this. But, you know, every, everyone's on the outside, but I can't believe she's into me. So you can see that juxtaposition, the stick play on words, it's, I don't want to say genius, Ryan, over the, over the, you know, in front of all these friends. <laughs> so, well, you do reference uh, Denise and, and uh, Vanessa Huxtable on, on that song. Well, why why is that? Well, what else are you going to rhyme with combustible? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just had to say she's fully combustible because to me that meant, like, she's so hot, but she's also, like, at any moment could just blow. And many, many men out there can understand that a, a woman – you know, women that are that are that are awesome and way better than you often are like a an exotic car. You know, they take a lot of maintenance and they take a lot of care caring and nurturing and you just have to you know, you've got to really watch what's going on because at any moment they can just completely explode, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I, that was just that was funny just kind that, of a fun uh, Denise Huxtable has come up again because she just came up in my life recently. I was talking to somebody who informed me that she was very, uh, the actress who played her uh, was very demanding, needed, wanted more money. That's why she left the Cosby show for a while and then she came back and stuff. And uh, I'm thinking now as I'm talking to you that probably the reason that, that she hasn't really done anything since is she she pissed off Bill Cosby. And once you do that, it's dope. There you go. 
All right. Not well, back to you. Off man in the sweater. <laughs> On uh, the song All Right By Me, you say, every six weeks I get a haircut and there is nothing more delicious than having that 30 minutes, me and a stack of People magazines. What in God's name are you talking about? Golly, man, this is like, yeah, this, I got to go dissect our interview and, and start from scratch. I mean, I sound like. Yeah, I'm getting all Barbara um, Walters up in this piece right now. Yes, and you should because those kind of quotes, deserve um you know you should really get to the bottom of all that i uh, it is it is like one of those moments where you know i don't even have tv in my house like we don't have cable it's a long story it's been like 10 years i haven't had it um so like i don't get exposed to all the crap going on and so and I'm, i just i mean i don't know if you love getting your hair cut but i've been going to the same girl for like 10 plus years and it's a safe place ryan it's a safe place and I go, and I just, it's hilarious. It is, a, it is a hair salon that had its day about 35 years ago, and it's, it's owned by two old queens, and they just kind of fuss about and bark at each other. And it is a, you know, I live in Dallas, Texas, and it is, it is like a complete melting pot of every type of person, but mostly old, old people, like super old people. They go in there, and they kind of get their hair did for the, for the, for the month. And it is a total... It's hilarious. It is such a show going in there. It's too much. But I go in there, and um, it's just for 30 minutes I can just sit and, you know, read a silly People magazine and just kind of catch up on all the silly business going on in the world. So that's my only time. Because otherwise, I'm, you know, I'm just reading Kafka or reading, you know, very heavy literature, you know, you know me, Anne Rand or something. So I'm just no. I don't, I don't I don't read heavy literature. I just read fun stuff. Okay, all about Brangelina and whatnot. Uh, have you seen the the movie Barbershop? You know, I don't think I have. But it sounds like after my you described your own uh, hair salon, I, I really I, I would highly recommend it. I'm actually looking at the the DVD is like up on my mantle right now. I'm looking at it. it's it's a brilliant movie and it kind of uh, it captures exactly what you were talking about. Dude, it's going on to my memos of movies I want to see right now. Barbershop. <laughs> Barbershop. And Barbershop 2 is fantastic as well. Both of them are great. Um, let's wow. talk about your uh, production and style of production where, where you kind of um, go by the, the T-Bone Burnett style of casting the, the, best, the best players and let them do their thing. Is that, uh, do you find that to be uh, an effective way of getting your messages, your music across? I do because it, it makes it kind of exciting for me to kind of see what they're going to bring, you know, kind of the table. And it's fun for me to go in and when I, I usually track bass and drums with, you know, their live, you know, and um, it's kind of fun for Jack and I because you kind of have to put on a little bit of a show for an audience of two or three people because you want to get them excited about the tune as well. And so you're driving it and you're, you know, we're stopping and starting and, and going, hey, let's, let's, Let's try this a little faster, a little slower. Let's try this, let's try that. But it's kind of cool that um, when you do it live with, with the guys, you really need to it, – it's just kind of this mini audience. You know, I don't. I love playing live. I, 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 I don't love a ton of what goes into playing live, like, the, you know, being at crappy clubs and late at night and, um, you know, angry sound men and, and dingy places and stuff. gets kind of old. But it's kind of like a mini performance you get to do because, you know, I think most musicians like to perform in some way. So you can kind of perform in the studio. So I really dig that. And, um, and then 
for this record, usually like the last record, I had um, my guitar player fly in from L.A. that I, I like to use, a guy named Greg Saran, who's just the monster. And he he flew in and spent two straight days just with me. You know, kind of I get him out of his element. You know, I get him out of L.A. and just he gets focused on me and our music. And uh, I get to record him in my studio. And um, this time around, I I talked to another guitar player named Peter Thorne who's recommended me highly by John Fields. I don't know if you know him. He's a big producer and uh, he produced the big Switchfoot records and Jonas Brothers records and stuff. And uh, he's really? awesome. he, produced, he produced my solo record back in 99. And, and um, I kind of listen to whatever he says. He's one of my mentors. And he said, you know, Trout Peter Thorne is amazing. So, uh, and Peter is Don Henley's guitar player. So let's keep riding on that theme. Um, he plays with, with Don Henley when he plays. Um, so anyway, just, just, Peter said, hey, man, why don't I just do a song or two and see how, how it works and see what you like, and then, then basically like, hey, and then you can decide if you want to fly to L.A. and, and work with me here because he didn't want to come here. And so he did a couple songs and just blew my mind. I was like, well, let's just keep rolling until we hit a, we hit a road bump, you know, a speed bump. And we just kept rolling that way virtually, and he just kept sending me tracks that I loved. And so we did – and um, that's how I work with my keyboard player up in um, – in Minneapolis, Tommy B used to play with Prince. He was in Prince's band for four years, and he's just my my favorite keyboard player. And um, mm-hmm. you know, he just do a lot of his stuff, most all of his stuff virtually, and then you know send it to me. And so, what was the original question? Sorry, dude, I got sideways. Yeah, no, Prince. that was that was a good answer for you. Do you okay. find an an effective way to uh, get your music across to kind of let let these cats do what they do? Because it does seem like. You know, no matter what you're doing in the uh, performance arts, um, collaboration is, is always the best way to go. I've had a lot of directors who are very collaborative with with the actors and stuff, and that's, I always prefer that. Yeah, it is. I, I I I will on the next record definitely fly the guitar player in because it it just sometimes takes a long time too because you, you throw it in air court and they're like, oh cool, yeah, I'll get to that tomorrow, and then all of a sudden Don Henley calls, and you've got three dates to go with Don Henley in Mexico. And I don't hear from him for five days. It just slows down the whole process. You don't have, you know, in, in my world. And he's mad that you stole that uh, everywhere all the timeline. Exactly, dude. He's pissed. He won't, he won't talk to me. It's hilarious too, because I know I know plenty of people that know him. You know, people that oh, my kids go to school with him. His kids or, and I'd said um, this one girl was just so sweet, and uh, I said it's just so weird because I'm friends with Stan Lynch, who Stan Lynch has written with Henley and produced Henley, and I'm like. When when Stan Lynch used to come to Dallas to work with me and work with Jacob Pierce, he'd stay with Henley, and he was dating Henley's wife's best friend. So it was like this whole, like, hey, we're all friends, right? Except I've never met the guy. And um, mm-hmm. so anyway, I guess I guess I'll still be on the outside, but um, one yeah, of these days, you'll meet him one. Yeah, one of these days. You've um, Carrie, you've uh, we got time for one more question. Explain these uh these destination uh, festival shows to me. Yeah, man, we, we just got fed up a little bit with, with playing these, you know, phenomenal cities like San Francisco for one. We were playing some club on a Thursday night and, you know, it was just kind of foggy and dreary and cold and the backstage was just gross. And there was, it was, it was raining and it was dripping and, and, the, and you couldn't sit on the couch because the water was dripping on the couch and that couch looked like it'd been there for 30 years and it was disgusting and threadbare. And it, it was like me and Jack are like, there's got to be a better way. We're in one of the greatest cities in the world where people come from all over the world to visit the city, and we're playing at this place tonight. And we just got kind of fed up. And we thought, man, this is not what we would want to go out and do. We would want to go do something. So we 
really got in the mindset of instead of just playing shows, you know, do events. And we're just trying to veer as many of our shows towards events. We have very specific destination shows where we pick a spot, like we're doing Santa Barbara in June. Well, we went out to Santa Barbara um, earlier this year. We had a we we had a gig in wine country, like a private show we did. Got to spend the night and the day in Santa Barbara. We started scouring the city, finding like what would be the coolest place. And we went to this roof deck of this hotel that overlooks the water one way, the the mountains the other way. And we'll do a dinner. People will come from all over the country. Like we just did one in Asheville, North Carolina. People came from 30 states to come in and be with us. And we just we do a dinner and drinks and hang out all together. It's like kind of family. It's kind of growing its, its own culture. And, uh, like, a lot of these people are coming to multiple events, meeting people and, and looking forward to seeing folks again. And We give them a download of the show. We record the show. We do trophies, like the person who bought the first ticket, the person who bought the most tickets, the person who flew the furthest. And, you know, there's some funny awards going on. And we do, like, a little game show in the middle. And we just have a lot of fun with it. And it's kind of like we never got to be camp counselors because we were already playing music full time by sophomore year in college. And I always thought I'd be a camp counselor. And, it's like I get to be camp counselor. I get to travel these wonderful places with my wife and get to research them. So it's kind of a – it's just this huge win, you know, to um, – we're doing Santa Barbara in June, June 8th, and then we're doing um, we're doing Martha's Vineyard in August, August 17th. And uh, we have a song called Vineyard, which is our most popular song. So a lot of people make this pilgrimage to the vineyard to see what it's all about. You know, you know what it's all about because you're from the Northeast, but a lot of these people from Texas and California and Arizona, they'd never been out there. So it's an excuse to go do something really cool and go on a vacation that you wouldn't normally go to. So we've done wine country. We've done hill country in Austin. Um, we're talking about doing Mexico next year. And just, it's a blast, man. It keeps me up at night. It gets me, it gets me excited to take people places that I love. That's all awesome. coming. Um, Where are you coming dude? Where are you Santa Barbara? Which one are you going to come to? Martha's Vineyard. I can, I can hear your brain like, churning right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, definitely not Santa Barbara because I I can't go back out to California. I'll lose my mind. But um, yeah, uh, maybe maybe the vineyard. Uh, check them out, JackoPierce dot com. Uh, follow them on Twitter, JackoPierce. Uh, also, the the new album, Everywhere All the Time, totally plagiarized from Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles. Uh, Terry, uh, this has been a blast, man. Thank you for doing it. Thank you so much, Ryan. Have a great night, brother. You too, sir. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, my next guest is an electro-hip-hop artist living in Los Angeles who, whose music has actually been featured on my favorite television show of all time, Friday Night Lights. Please welcome to the program, Jensen Reed. Hey there. How's it go- hey, how's it going, Ryan? I'm doing all right, sir. I hope this wasn't too much of an inconvenience for you. I hope you've taken the last hour to do some soul searching and whatnot. <laughs> you know, actually, I just got right back to working on a new track, so it was it was all good, and I'm sorry for the, the little miscommunication. It's all good. <laughs> it's all gravy train. Plus, Sweet, um, Sweet Brown deserves top billing over me any day. I'm, I'm a big <laughs> fan of hers, so it's, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, she has made my day every day for months now, so I just say, you know, I have to give her her time. Um, Absolutely. Now, I uh well, well let's just uh, talk about what what I just said. Uh isn't Friday Night Lights like the greatest show ever? It is. It it really is. It was one of those that um actually my sister turned me on to 
you know, it's, it just didn't catch on too quickly with people and kind of developed a cult following because once you watch it, you realize it's one of the the best written and, and most well-acted shows ever, and it just uh, – it was awesome. So it was, it was a kind of an extra special honor to have a couple of my songs in there. Uh, tell me about this, this – when I think Friday Night Lights, I might not necessarily think uh, uh, your uh, genre or genres of music. Tell me about the music that you did for that, that show. It actually ended up being a um, you know a more hip hop track. I kind of go all over the place with genres a little bit, but it was one of my older tracks right. that they used uh, when they were going to a house party. So it was in a scene in season four, sitting in the car. Landry, I think, turned the radio down because he wanted to hear some like metal, uh, which mm-hmm. was my song. Turned it down, but then when they walked into the party, they turned the song back up. And uh, so it was kind of like a dirty south type hip hop track that they ended up using. Um, so, definitely cool to hear. What was Landry's? Uh, it was, his band was Crucifictorious, right? That, I think that's right. That's a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second to, to remember. Um, Jensen, I read that your career started in Spanish class in high school. Explain. Yeah, a, a buddy of mine, we were in high school, and we had to make these uh, cereal boxes that had, you know, I don't know, just try to come up with creative things with Spanish on them. And I was a big Beastie Boys fan, and my 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 buddy next to me was, you know, I just getting to know him, and he asked me, he liked the Beastie Boys too. He's like, man, do you want to do a, like a, a, we had a star search thing, talent show. He's like, no one's ever had the, the balls basically to, to go up in front of the whole school and do a, a track with me. Would you want to do it? I was like, yeah, why not? So we did an instrumental of Pass the Mic, and, um, you know, that's kind of where I, it just was like, whoa, this is something that I want to do because we crushed it, jumped off stage, wilding out. I think the, the judges were like, are you guys on drugs, which we weren't. But it, we just we had a blast, and it kind of set the wheels in motion to, uh, to get me started in music. How did you realize that, that the wheels were spinning at that time? Was it, was it the reaction of the audience? Was it kind of the, the pure joy you felt in the, in the moment as you were performing? What was the... What was kind of your epiphany there? Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. It just came very easily. Um, you know, I had the, the regular nerves that I always have for shows still, but once the, the beat started, you know, I was worried about forgetting lines or forgetting the, the words or something, and it never happened, and it just – it was a rush. And um, I, I think that connection with the audience was, was a big part of it, you know, just feeling that the response, knowing that they, they appreciated it. Um, yeah, it was, that was kind of the coolest thing, just that connection there. And it, I always felt like it was kind of like being in a bubble, like that you were there, but you couldn't really be touched somehow, but you were touching people. It, it was just an interesting, uh, very positive feeling that, that touched me early. Sure. Um, I actually had a, a Beastie Boys high school performance, uh, experience as well that was very meaningful where uh, I was in a play at the time and my director had me shave my head completely and so and this was the and then but one of the electives I was taking at the time was American Sign Language at this art school that I went to in Connecticut and uh, my you know my sign language teacher she had us signing songs so we were signing like slower songs like Matchbox 20 slower kind of songs um, because it was easier but then I went up there in front of the whole school with my, my bald-headedness and signed uh, Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys because <laughs> we were just 
badasses, and that's what that's what my partner Vedran Mahinovich and I did, uh, and it was awesome. <laughs> nice. That's interesting that we share a, a very interesting connection. I'm not sure how many people should have a a Beastie Boys talent show high school thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually is, now that I think about it, that is the week, too, that I realized that I wanted to go into the performing arts as well, and it was because of the play that I was doing uh, uh, with the shaved head at the time. That It was that, I think the Beastie Boys performance was on Wednesday, and then our play opened on Thursday, and like just doing that play and the audience reaction and everything was just, I was like, yep, yep, want to do this. So I think we both, nice. we both owe the Beastie Boys something, I guess, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody owes them a lot. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, talk about uh, your 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 debut album. It's called Forget About the Cameras. Explain the title to me. You know, it, it actually comes from the, the idea of performing. I, I also come from an athletic family. My dad was a college football coach for years. I'm a huge sports fan. I played competitive tennis. Um, you know, so I always equate performing a little bit with athletics, those those butterflies, but just – basically, you know, forgetting about what's going on around you and really, you know, just focusing on the task at hand, whether it's a, a game or whether it's a performance or kind of tuning out the noise and just having that laser focus to, to deliver um, was where that came from. And, you know, and ball for, it comes from a line in my song, Do Your Thing, um, forget about the cameras and ball. So just basically, you know, whatever's going on around you, you have control over it and you can – you know, step up to the plate, basically. And you just mentioned uh, your uh, tennis involvement. Uh, when I read that in your bio, I realized we, we have even more in common than I thought. Did you uh, play for your high school team? I did, yeah. What, what um, position almost, were you? I, I was going to play in college, but was in a band, actually, in North Carolina, and just kind of made the trade-off of, of pursuing music instead because, uh, you know, playing at a Division One school would would have required a, huge time commitment so um but yeah I played tournaments all the way through and actually have, have continued to teach tennis throughout the years you know as I've worked on music and um you know kind of used that as a day gig many many times to to pay the bills and um sure. it, it could be worse day gigs I guess <laughs> this uh this next question will determine whether or not this interview can continue Agassi or Sampras I was always an Agassi fan Oh, thank God! And by the way, they're they're playing right now at the Garden, I believe. I'm sorry. Uh, Agassi and Sampras are actually playing each other right now at Madison Square Garden. Now that I mention it. Are you serious? As we speak? As we as we speak, or they may have just finished. It's it's. Uh, I think it's them and McEnroe and I don't know. It's, there's there's a fourth. I forget the fourth, but it's another oh, like that's awesome. legend. <laughs> yeah, man. Um. And uh, how about now, Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, or Murray? Nadal. Uh, I, Me I too. Love Rafa. You know, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm always in the minority there, but I love Rafa. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think maybe Agassi fans like like uh, Rafa. You know, I just he's just such a good guy. Like he, he's just yeah. so hardworking, so humble, and I think you know Roger gets away with being a little bit of a pompous. Um, yup pompous guy, you know, just because he's so clean cut and so polished. Now, don't get me wrong. I love watching him play too. His game is phenomenal, but I, I'm a big Rafa fan and just like the way he grinds and his strength. It's he, just a matter of whether he can hold up. His body's going to eventually break down and it has already just because he plays so hard. You just said like 
exactly what I say to my friends all the time uh, about both of them. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, now, yeah, absolutely. You, Jensen, you've already opened for Dilated Peoples and Little Brother. How how did this? Because you haven't been on the West Coast that long, right? How 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 has this happened so quickly? Uh, you know, it's actually it's longer than I, I think at this point. It's it's crazy how the time flies. It's been over five years now. Um, those are some mm-hmm. shows that I did a while back, um, and just was able to meet some good good people quickly, um, and some promoters. And uh, I was in a group in in North Carolina before I moved out here. Was a little nervous coming out on my own, but as soon as I did the first show, I, I you know realized quickly that I could compete. Um, you know, in a bigger in a bigger city, and and just got some great shows under my belt. Obviously, there's a ton of awesome venues in in LA, the Roxy Key Club, you know, Troubadour, all those. I've been fortunate enough to play uh, a lot of history at those places, and um, you know, I think it really is just a testament. I try to work hard, and and when I meet good people to collaborate with and work with, I, I hang on to them. So. Um, just kind of that's been my MO since I moved out here, and I've been really fortunate to meet some great people. Yeah, man. And you, uh, Mark Pellington actually put a song of yours in the movie, I Melt With You. Can you tell me at exactly what point in the movie your song is so that I don't have to watch the rest of it? Because I tried, man, and I, I nearly lost my mind after the first, like, 20 minutes. I can't watch. Dude, it, it is quite possibly a the most depressing, gut-wrenching movie ever made. And Mark... Um, yeah. Mark's actually a friend of mine. I got to know him, classic case of, of a meeting a great person. You know, he's an icon in the music video world, directed Pearl Jam Jeremy, um, yeah. you know, Public Enemy shut him down. Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy, his resume. But it's in the, they're in the, uh, in the kitchen. Um, it's a party scene, and Rob Lowe's character is a, a doctor um, that's, that's kind of become corrupt and just slings prescriptions for money you know, to, to his patient. So he's, he's making up a, uh, some sort of cocktail of drugs and I'm, I'm, my song is there. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's the song, do your thing, which actually was also used in a uh, house of lies on Showtime, interestingly enough. So, um, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was really nice of Mark. He, he became a fan of my stuff and, and it was really cool of him to put, put the song in the film it is it's a beautifully shot film you know it is not for the 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 week apart i mean it's, it's really really depressing but um yeah. uh, kind of an honor nonetheless to have it in there i was like oh uh, got a great cast let me let me pop this on and uh and yeah it was unwatchable <laughs> yeah you unwatchable. know it's very polarizing i i went to the premiere of it at sundance and um you know, it's kind of an art house type movie. Like again, yeah. Mark is somewhat of a visionary type director, very artsy, loves music. You know, it's it's shot beautifully, et cetera, et cetera. But people basically either hate it or they love it. And um, the the I think the strongest part is is the cast and the performances. Jeremy Piven and Rob Lowe and Thomas Jane give some really really powerful emotional performances in it. Um, yeah. So. And I, and when I say unwatchable, I mean in the best possible way, like in that kind of uh, Mad Max art house film, uh, unwatch where you know you you just it's just hard to watch, but it's it's awesome. No, believe me, I get it, I get it, I've I, I understand for sure. So let's talk about uh, Matt Rowe is working on three year videos. Tell me uh, about these videos and working with him. Uh, Matt Rowe is actually Mark Pellington's cinematographer. So basically what ended up happening, Mark was going to shoot a video for my song, After the War. Um, 
which I was just blown away that he would even want to do that. I mean, he was coming off of shooting the the latest Michael Jackson video with Akon, um, and then he just he got busy with the film. So he kind of introduced me to Matt, and we've worked together on a bunch of videos. Um, they're all on YouTube. Uh, there's one for After the War, kind of a performance video, um, then a really stupid, stupid, funny video for my song Grading on a Curve. And then most recently I put out a, a video about a month ago for American Psycho, which is kind of a dark, evil hip-hop track, which is kind of funny because it's not at all who I am, but it was nice to kind of adapt the character um, and, and do that. So Matt, Matt is truly a young, up-and-coming, really, really talented DP um, that is, I've been, again, testament to another great person that I've been fortunate enough to work with. And uh, I read that um, your song grading on a, on a curve might raise some eyebrows. What, why is that? Sorry, I missed that. I, I, uh, the connection is not that great. I'm trying to, trying to decipher everything. I'm sorry. It's all great. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. It's just got some, some static kind of the whole time, but it's all good. I, I missed the last oh. question. Um, so your song grading on a curve that you just mentioned it, I, I read that it might raise some, some eyebrows. What, why is that? Um, well, it's just, it's, it's just really stupid, man, to be honest with you, but it's funny. <laughs> a buddy of mine, when we, when we were going out, I mean, stupid in the best sense, like I try, hopefully it shows people that I really don't care and don't take myself seriously at all, but you know, going out in Hollywood, and he was like, man, I'm so tired of talking to A-plus chicks. I'm going to shoot for a D-minus tonight and see what happens. And I was like, oh, that might be kind of, that might be a kind of, you know, a funny song. And uh, it just came from that. Basically, just, I play, you know, in the video, I play, it's me and two other guys, we play douchebags that are going out in Hollywood, because there's plenty of them, too, looking for A-plus chicks who are awful also, even though they might be hot, they're just stupid, and you can't talk to them. And then one of my buddies, Ryan, who is a douchebag, also gets dressed up as Big Draws Betty, where I have some, some beer goggles. I think he's a hot chick. He ends up being in a gigantic fat suit and takes advantage of me and, and basically, yeah, spits eating Skittles all over me while he's, he's uh, on top of me in bed. So it's, it's pretty outrageous. It's funny. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's it just, I was trying to, I'm a big fan of humor, man, and I think it was trying to be the humor on my album and the video turned out cool. It, it looks great. Matt shot it. And, um, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty stupid. That's all I can say. What you just said about the, the A plus and the D minus reminds me of the old, uh, George Carlin said, uh, you know, I never fucked a 10, but one night I fucked five twos. There you go. <laughs> there right. you go. <laughs> uh, and you, uh, you say what you think, Jensen, without, uh, referencing guns, violence, and sex. Uh, so you're a rapper, but you don't rap about big booties and fast cars. I don't get it. Yeah, no, I, you know, hip-hop is all, was an early influence of mine. Um, you know, like I said, the Beastie Boys, Tribe Called Quest, uh, Outkast, the Dirty South kind of, you know, but I also listen to a ton of classic rock. And, and honestly, I listen to more indie rock and, and rock and roll in general than um, I do hip hop, but the one thing that I can I think kind of resonated with me that comes through in my music. I'm just, I love beats, just banging drums. And, you know, some of the, just the hip hop that I love has always just had really, really banging drums. And I developed a bit, you know, 
an ability to, I guess, rap and, you know, try to try to always add melody, live instruments to the, to the songs I produce and write. But, um, yeah, I'm not a fan, you know, honestly, I'm just not a fan of the, the commercial direction that hip hop has taken because there's so much garbage. Now there's a lot of really great artists that are getting some, some nice recognition, which is refreshing to see, uh, you know, on a main level, mainstream level, like Kid Cudi and Lupe Fiasco obviously was big and Macklemore recently with his release, how they did it all on, on their own. Um, but yeah, I just like it, you know, try I like insightful lyrics. I like, you know, clever stuff. I like, you know, the braggadocious stuff isn't really my forte or what I gravitate towards. (laughs) Um, so I want to break our listeners off with, with one of your tracks here. Uh, what do you think I should play, Left Coast or Rocket Ship? It's up to you, my friend. Wow. Man, I, you know, I like both of them. They're two, two really different tracks. Left Coast is about as pop as I've ever written, had some great feedback from, on that, that song. Um, and then Rocket Ship is actually a really heavy track. It's, uh, I, was, I unfortunately had six friends that committed suicide in high school and I never really, never really dealt with it or did anything, you know, creatively um, in tribute to them. So that song was, you know, based on that. So I guess, and, and it's not really a downer or anything, but, um, you know, I'm going to leave it, I'm going to leave it up to you. You know what? Let's do rocket ship. I think it's, it's a powerful, <laughs> powerful track. Here he is. Uh, Jensen Reed with rocket ship. We'll be right back with Jensen. One resident describes her horrifying experience when she first realized the complex was on fire. Well, I woke up to go get me a cold pop. But then I thought somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. <laughs> then Brian, I ran out. I didn't me? grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. Was that, was that it? Was, was that rocket ship? No, that was, that was Sweet Brown. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Here we go. Rocket ship. It's time to pray. I've been counting the years. I'm supposed to end it early. Left the ocean in tears. Nothing to say. Except I'm keeping you alive. Forever 17 in a heart and mind. Waking up in the morning. Be the red sun rising the warning. How long do I have to keep pretending? I'm fine, I won't any 
instead of counting the years The ones that left us early with the doubt and fears That if they stayed in unremarkable lives The words they would have said If only we tried so far away Imagine how you'd have grown The loves of your life Maybe kids of your own I want a day So we can do it again On the cloud on your rooftop Staring up above You could find it Appreciate you playing it. Absolutely. Um, you, so your 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 music, sir, uh, kind of transcends genres. You mentioned your hip hop influences. Uh, what about in other uh, realms? Who are your rock influences, for instance? You know, I got turned on to Radiohead early in their career, and I'd have to say they're probably my favorite band. Um, not that I could even approach the level of musicality or anything that those guys are doing, um, but you know, they, they they influenced me a lot. The Doors, and actually, The Doors were another one that just I, I really loved early. Um, currently, listening to a lot of different stuff. I listen to Sirius XMU a lot, um, Satellite Radio, and um, love The National and uh, M83 and, and acts like that. So, you know, I, I don't know how it, it comes through in my own music, but I do know that whatever, you know, some bits of everything that I listen to, I think, show up in some way, shape, or form. Um, and, um, again, like I said, I don't really listen to a lot of new hip-hop unless somebody turns me on to something because I'm, I'm just I'm a little over it, man. My, I, I am a huge fan of Kanye West, though. Not of the, not of the dude, but I, I love how Kanye pushes the envelope every single time and, and really – reinvents his sound so i'll say that that's pretty mainstream and he definitely brags a lot but i don't know i just think he's a, he's an amazing artist i um i would agree with you uh except i do love him as a dude because if he wasn't you if he wasn't as crazy as he is as a person that he wouldn't be as genius as he is musically i don't think good point touche uh, yeah I, that's, <laughs> that's a great point <laughs> so tell me about how you spoofed Katy perry um and uh, with your your Tar Heels uh, parody, that and that eventually got you a couple of gigs, no? Yeah, that was a really, again, really stupid, stupid parody song about how much I hate hate Duke basketball. Um, a few years ago, and the whole, you know, I'm a I'm a big UNC Tar Heel fan. Went to Carolina, um, and then actually. You know, the whole goal was to get people to check out my quote-unquote real music, which it, it was a great, you know, great thing. And then I did another one this past year um, that I parodied uh, Pitbull and Neo, Give Me Everything Tonight. That was Give Coach K Everything Tonight. And it was just 
you know, it, humor is a great way to, you know, to, that was the one viral recipe that I, I knew because if you make something that's quality and funny, all you got to do is put it on some Carolina message boards and, you know, that sports rivalry connection, it spreads like wildfire. So the most recent one last year we released during March Madness, um, you know, I think it got like 75,000 views, which is great. Um, but, you know, it's, other than that, it's, it's difficult to, to have people check out a just a regular music video. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of holding on to the fact I've got a ton of great content and um, hopefully kind of just sitting under the radar a little bit. But when people come and check, check me out, they'll realize that I've been grinding for a long time and have been putting out some, some quality stuff. So um, I wish every video was a, was a simple viral recipe like the, the basketball rivalry. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. uh, not that way. <laughs> um, and you, uh, Jensen, are now uh, releasing a free song at the end of every month. Why? Last year I got spent a lot of time getting some good business stuff together, um, just, you know, kind of laying the foundations of hopefully a, a career. And then I just started this year and, and wanted to challenge myself creatively and put out a, a fully produced track every single month so that at the end of the year I would have a full album. And, you know, I, I am a pretty, I'm pretty well-versed on the state of the, the music industry. And for me at this point to give them away for free, there's a lot more value in that because I just feel like the the likelihood that pe- new people will check out my stuff goes up quite a bit if it's, hey, check out my free free new track rather than, hey, check out my track and buy it for 99 cents. Um, unfortunately, that's just the, the environment that we live in, and I've pretty much accepted it. Um, so all my stuff is still available on iTunes, like all these new singles, but it's, it's really been great. It's kept me, you know, personally feeling good because whenever I'm creating new stuff, um, you know, I always feel great. Uh, it's also, I've got some really nice music supervisor connections that have made some of these licenses happen and they love to get new songs every single month. It keeps me in touch with them, you know, keeps me engaged with fans. Um, and I'm feeling good about it. I'm actually up against the wall. You know, it's, it's, I had some in the hopper as we started the year and now, you know, it's kind of a month to month thing. So I'm, I'm scrambling a bit for November. I got to get, get, a new one out, but uh, it's been great. And I think some of my best material has, has been, has come out of it this year. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped and um, yeah, on my site, jensenreed.com and all the tracks are there for free. Um, so it, uh, yeah, we can kind of, you know, when it will, uh, when the free tracks will end or will you keep doing it for the rest of your life? Sorry, I missed that. Do you know when the, when you giving out the free songs will will end? Is there a time cap on that? Is it like at the end of the year, or are you just going to keep doing it? You know, I, I don't think so. I haven't given much thought to it. I'm pretty sure I'll still be giving them out for free um, with the ability. And it's interesting. I've had some nice nice iTunes sales, too. Like, there are people out there that still buy music. Um, so <laughs> it's cool when people actually purchase it knowing that they can – get it for free, you know, obviously shows a, a high level of support for me and know that I'm, you know, really trying to, to provide some, some strong content. Um, and I think at least I would hope that, uh, you know, fans and people appreciate it, that all of it's free. I'm just grinding and grinding and grinding and not 
charging any money for it. You know, Radiohead, like I mentioned, they were kind of the 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 ones that did that model with uh, was it in Rainbows? I think uh, where you know they had to pay whatever you want. You take it if you want, or you can pay. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it'll probably go on. I don't know. That's, I mean, it's a, it's a good idea to get your, your stuff out there. Uh, Jensen, before we go, we're going to play a game we always play on the show. It is called Hot or Hot Mess, where I give you, Jensen, read a list of things, and you tell me if they are hot or a hot mess. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's open it up. First up on Hot or Hot Mess, uh, Duke Basketball, Hot or Hot Mess. Oh, Hot Mess, one of my most hated things in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My mother actually went to uh, uh, Chapel Hill for grad school, I think, uh, at the time that uh, Jordan was there, so that's something. Nice. She saw some some classic years. Yeah, exactly. Um, Justin Bieber, Hot or Hot Mess. I got a little bit of respect for him having watched the documentary and the little girl that uh, just unfortunately passed away from cancer. I think he's a good kid. I really don't like him as an artist, but can I be indifferent about him? (laughs) (laughs) You can call him a hot, hot mess. We get a lot of those. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll go with that one. How about I Melt With You, Hot or Hot Mess? Hot. My song's in it. Mark Pellington's, a friend, Mark Pellington's a friend of mine. Great guy. Not a movie for everybody, but it, it's it's a well well done film. T Pain, hot or hot mess? Sorry, I missed that. I'm really sorry. T Pain, T Pain, the auto tune guy. Hot mess. <laughs> How about Sweet Brown, hot or hot mess? Straight up fire, hot. <laughs> you mean straight up far? <laughs> um, how about Kanye West, hot or hot mess? Hot, blazing hot. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, and you can plead the fifth on this if you want. Uh, uh, Mitt Romney, hot or hot mess? Oh, boy. Oh, man. I, I think, to be honest with you, the entire system is a hot mess, and it frustrates the hell out of me. I'll leave it at that. Okay, fair enough. Um, Well, uh, Jensen Reed, uh, one last question. Who would you kill to do a song with? Man, um, I would really love to collaborate with M83. It'd be a weird mix-up, but I just love that just triumphant orchestral electronic awesome music that they make and uh, seeing them live here in, in Hollywood. And I, I would love to collaborate with somebody like that. Um, that would kind of be a dream. Do you know what I'm going to do as soon as we get off uh, the, the internet uh, interview tonight is I'm going to tweet at you my remix of Midnight City by M83 because my friends from Ireland and I send each other parodies of songs saying like we miss each other basically and I did it I rapped over M83 Midnight City and I'm going to send that to you right after sweet looking forward to it 
<laughs> All right, sir. Uh, check him out. Uh, JensenReed.com, is that the website? That is. Lots of free music, tons of videos, and um, I really appreciate your time and having me on. Absolutely, man. You got any shows coming up you want to uh, promote? You know what? I don't. Uh, going going dark here until the end of the year, and then hopefully getting some stuff rolling um, in the new year. But just staying on on the creative grind and and uh, releasing new material. So uh, no shows to report. All right. Well, sounds good, man. Keep on trucking. And uh, it was a real pleasure. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Take care. All Bye. right. That was Jenkson Reed. Uh, Get him at uh, JensenReed.com. Follow him on Twitter at JensenReed. Uh, of course, big thank you to uh, Sweet Brown. Follow her at Team Sweet Brown. Uh, website SweetBrownApproved.com. Um, and don't follow Deanna, Dirty Deanna, with her uh, bootleg T-shirts and whatnot. Uh, go bird watching every bachelor party that you go to. Uh, remember that. Big thank you to uh, Carrie Pierce and Jacko Pierce. Big thank you to Jensen Reed. Uh, and, of course, our political roundtable panel of uh, Jonathan Weeks and Michelle Kinney. Can't thank you guys enough. Uh, tonight was very exciting for me. I hope that you all enjoyed it as well. So uh, we'll be back next week with another episode, and I can think of no better way of ending this show than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence, and if you have a Barbie, bend her backwards, burn her knuckles on the stove, cut off her hair, and leave her in some drawers. Good night, everybody!